Hello and welcome to the weekly commodity market update. I'm Brownfield's Will Robinson, joined as always by the University of Missouri's Ben Brown. Good morning, Ben. Hi, Will. How are you? I'm doing well, doing well. It's the morning after uh, the national title game between Georgia and TCU, and I, oof. Do you think our listeners realize we're college sports fans? I mean, we only only talk about it. We only talk about it before every episode. I know, I know, I know. Not much of a game, not much of a game, but... No, no, no. That's all right. But hey, you know, uh, I'm still having Mizzou basketball keeping me entertained. Um, Unless they're losing games, they should be winning to Arkansas. Then I'm just frustrated, but it's fine, so... Yeah, Yeah. it's going to be a fun year. It's going to be a fun year for basketball. Um, there's a lot of good teams that are playing at a high level this year. So. No, there's a lot of, uh, you know, fun uh, fun basketball going on. Like uh, across the whole Midwest, you know, you're seeing Ohio State, Purdue, K-State, Iowa State, Mizzou, like all these teams in, in these Midwestern states are climbing up the rankings. So it's kind of nice to see. I mean, I guess except for Purdue, you know, kind of stubbing their toe last week. But oh well. Yeah, they looked good against Ohio State. Got that big three there at the end. Mm-hmm. Made a nice comeback against Penn State. So, yeah. 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 Anyway, talking about markets, it's our second episode of this new year in 23. Last year, or last week, we kind of did a preview of the year. But before we really jump into today's topic, we're going to be previewing the WASD. What are the markets sitting at right now? What what are we really seeing? Yeah, kind of a down week uh, across the board for many commodities. Uh, new Old crop corn for March was down 24 cents to 6.52. New crop corn in December down 16 cents to 5.90. March soybeans down four cents to fourteen eighty eight. Uh, new crop soybeans in November down twenty cents to thirteen ninety one. So kind of a you know a increasing of the spread there. Soybean oil was down a penny and sixty seven cents uh, to sixty three cents per pound. Um, soybean meal down five dollars and thirty cents per short ton to four hundred seventy dollars. Uh, old crop wheat for March down 46 cents to 741. New crop July wheat down 42 to 755. And then that West Texas Intermediate crude oil was down $4, uh, a little over $4 per barrel uh, to finish just above $75 per barrel. So, yeah, like you said, a lot of uh, a lot of losses there coming into this week. Uh, what, what's really been leading the market down? Yeah, last month was just a brutal stretch for U.S. ethanol producers uh, with returns over operating costs below a reasonable production threshold and in some cases negative. Uh, so, so low to negative profit margins uh, reduced ethanol production to 248 million gallons on the week. That's the lowest volume for U.S. ethanol producers since March of 2021. Ethanol sales also pulled back in a big way uh, for feed grains uh, last week with corn and wheat well below even pre-report trade expectations. Uh, This was the fourth straight week of zero grain sorghum sales. Uh, Soybean sales were modest, but well below their recent volumes as well. Open interest in Chicago's corn and soybeans increased 3% week over week to start the year. Managed money also increased for corn and soybeans, building on net longs while increasing the net shorts uh, for Chicago wheats. And then weekly ag export inspections were all within pre-report trade expectations, but continue to cause concern in the market. Corn and soybeans were down week over week, while grain, sorghum, and wheat were up from the week prior. Yeah, just kind of continuing on that sluggish overall trade trend that we've been seeing the last several months. Hopefully we can get some positives before uh, you know South America really comes online with their exports here in a, 
uh, you know, a few weeks coming up. But looking at today's topic, we're going to be previewing the WASI report that's coming out on Thursday, so a couple of days away. It's not the final, final report for this 2022 crop year, but, you know, it's it's kind of the, the final one for a while, at least. So really, what are you expecting to see coming out of this report? Uh, you know, any, uh, any things uh, that farmers should really be paying attention to? Yeah, this is a big week. Uh, this is a big letter or a big, uh, you know, report day. I called it a letter, um, but a report day and probably top three. I think you could tie in the the intentions report in March and, and probably that September or August, you know, that first kind of production report of the year. I think you could tie all these together in terms of, of big report and market moving days. The reason the January report is so big is because we get the final production estimates for the 2022 crop year. So this includes both acreage revisions, if there's acreage revisions due to prevent plant or you know acres that are considered failed. Um, as a reminder to our viewers, silage acres are considered failed acres because they're not harvested for grain. Um, you can make the same case for grain sorghum that's, that's harvested for forage or silage. Um, those would be considered failed acres. So by the time we get around to January, the, the idea is that we have a pretty good estimate of what those failed acres are going to be and are those acres that just aren't going to get harvested. Um, so we have the, the acreage revisions. We also have the yield revisions. So this is the first yield revision since uh, November. Uh, we don't do production reports in December. Um, so there's the potential here to make some, some changes on the yield side. But then the third component of this is January 12th is also the day that we get ending stocks for that first quarter that ended December 1st. So the first quarter of the corn and soybean marketing year is um, September, October, November. Um, we tend to think of ending stocks as uh, ending stocks as of December 1st, but those come out in January. So that's what makes this report so big um, from a domestic standpoint. And, and we can talk through some of these, these numbers uh, more specifically, but that's what makes this so big. But then we go ahead and we tie in the international component. And we think about we're right at the middle or at the beginning of uh, the harvest season for, for South America, we're right in the middle of their production year. So the, the best way to think about this and compare it to the United States is this is like the August or September production report here in the United States um, for South America. It's, it's mm. a big report to, to kind of gauge what they're, what they're producing. And I do anticipate seeing your know, smaller production in South America, um, specifically, I think on that, on that um, corn side for Argentina, um, on that soybean side for Argentina, and then maybe some even reductions in the Brazilian corn and soybean crops. So, so I guess just starting right there, because, you know, we, we just talked about the trade window that the U.S. has and how we maybe haven't taken full advantage or, you know, had buyers in the market to really, you know, come in and, and uh, support the, the U.S. crop. So before this window closes, you know, looking at the South American production, um, how much of a role is this report going to play maybe in some intentions of buyers in the inter international market? Sure, and it will. Um, we've already started to see um, shipments or purchases of grain shift from the United States to South America. That happens this time of the year as, as countries look to, to pre-buy, get, get commitments in place to, to ship product to China. You know, it takes about 40 some days, 41, 42 days to get product from South America to China. Um, and so as a result, if you need product in February, you know, you, you need to have that on the books here in January. And so um, we, we've already seen some of that happening. Um, the what would, you know, really cause the markets to react is if we saw, you know, a 
a significant reduction in those Argentina corn and soybean numbers. The market is already pegging in a 3 million metric ton reduction in Argentina's corn production um, and about a 3 million metric ton reduction in Argentina's soybean production. So anything larger than those uh, would certainly cause a little bit of panic saying, hey, there's maybe not as much product in South America as we thought. There is even concern, you know, that's that old saying that small crops get smaller. Um, you know, there's even that concern that, you know, hey, we need to maybe buy some insurance mm. and, and put some old crop sales from the United States on the books as well. So um, be looking out. I, what I'm looking at is how big a reduction in Argentina are we expected to see here in January? I think February is probably the bigger month um, for, for total production in South America, because that's a better idea when we'll have some, some Brazil numbers. And of course, Brazil, you know, is, is the larger of the two in terms of production. But um, certainly January here, I think, is the kind of the prelude um, to what we might see in southern Brazil um, next month. So. Yeah. so really, really looking at South American production, South American production, there's already that expectation, like you said, of uh, some diminishing uh, production totals. So really, I guess if that comes in not as strong as, as you'd expect, then maybe a lot of buyers will still kind of focus within that market. But if it's a sharp decrease, that could be beneficial for U.S. producers. But, you know, it's it's still up in the air, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. So looking elsewhere, you know, this is also going to highlight the 2022 production in the U.S. Uh, you know, you wouldn't expect there to be too heavy revisions there, but do you think there could be some revisions that really move the market one way or the other? Yeah, I'm expecting about 100 million or excuse me, 100,000, not 100 million, 100,000 acres <laughs> of less corn acreage uh, when it's all said and done. It could be a little bit more and it could be a little bit less, but I think about 100,000 acres is, is well within the ballpark. Yeah. And for, for reference real fast, is that, you know, what kind of number is that? Is that, you know, substantial or, or you know, shocking? So we, yeah, so harvested acreage is somewhere around 81, 80, 80 million, 81 million acres um, harvested corn. Um, that's, that's what, so that's what we have. Um, again, we're talking about, um, we planted, you know, 88 and 89 million acres, right? So that's, or we usually plant somewhere in that 90 million acre range for corn. And then we subtract off, you know, what's harvested for silage, what's, you know, not harvested. And so that's that number. Those, of those failed acres. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, I'm anticipating about another 100,000 acres coming off of that um, because um, I think we had a little bit higher prevent plant in some areas. Um, the FSA reports are, you know, kind of preluding to that already that are, are coming through. Those, those are those monthly, you know, Farm Service Agency crop reports um, that come out. So I think there's a little bit more prevent plant maybe in 2022 than what we initially anticipated, USDA initially anticipated. So I think that harvested number will come down just a little bit on the corn side. Of course, you know, you take 100,000, times, um, you know, the average national yield of, let's just say 172, let's just make this a round number, right? And you're talking about, you know, nearly 2 million bushels of, of corn taken out of the picture. So not a lot when we're talking about a 15 billion, 13 billion bushel crop, 14 billion bushel crop. Um, but it's it's still, you know, there's a million, 2 million bushels there that, that won't be in part of the balance sheet. So yeah. um, small numbers. <laughs> Let's let's not kid ourselves here. These are small numbers, but certainly, you know, I think that would that would tighten the picture even more. On the soybean side, I don't anticipate seeing much. I think pretty much everything that got planted got harvested um, just outside a couple of fringe areas here and there. And then on the yield side, 
a little bit of deter, or excuse me, a little bit of an increase in yield um, for both corn and soybeans. Um, you know, we had the big hit earlier in the year uh, when we went from 176 down to 172 and a half. Um, you know, I think, and then we went a little bit lower than that, but I think certainly we'll see, you know, a little bit higher yield on the national average. Um, but I think USDA was pretty close in their November report at 172, uh, a little over 172 bushels per acre on the corn side and just a little over 50 bushels per acre on the soybean side. Yeah, and then kind of the, the final piece of the puzzle there, maybe one of the final, you know, big things to watch, ending stocks and how that leans into demand coming into this year. Um, you know, we're seeing, like you said, a, a tight picture coming out of last year into this year. Do you expect that to get, uh, you know, even tighter coming into this report or what, what are you thinking here? Yeah, so t traditionally when we've seen big surprises in these reports, it's come on the stock side. Um, that's where the big shocks have come. However, we had a really, really bland September stocks report. So that was that ending stocks for the 21-22 the marketing year back in September. Um, USDA, I think, was the closest on ending stocks they've ever been to what the market was. Um, so a very it's so bland. boring when USDA is right. <laughs> well, it was just, it was one of those that like I have never seen that happen in my life to where like everything just came right within expectations, mm -hmm. um, just minus or plus a couple, you know, hundred thousand bushels here and there. But um, so if we expect to see shocks, you know, traditionally we look at the stocks report, but they were really good in September. I I'm going to be surprised if we see increased stocks as much as what the trade is currently anticipating stocks to increase by. Mm -hmm. um, I Part of the reason why I'd say that part of the reason why I say that is the the trade has, I think, bought into this whole diminished demand story that we saw in December. December was kind of a brutal month, um, both in exports for corn, ethanol for corn, um, exports for soybeans. Like it was it was kind of a brutal month. But that doesn't figure into December stocks on December one. Right. Like that came after. And so while I certainly think that we've seen diminished demand during the month of December, you know, I expect stocks and demand to be relatively strong in that first quarter of the marketing year. Um, you know, the, the expectation um, is for, you know, some, some increase in the ending stocks for both corn and soybeans. But um, I, I, I could see us coming in pretty close, I think, to where, um, or not as high, uh, maybe not as, as bearish as what the trade's currently estimating. So bullish potentially, I guess is what I'm saying <laughs> is I think we could see a little bit of bullish factors. All right. So looking elsewhere outside of, uh, USDA's upcoming supply and demand report, uh, what other factors, what other reports, uh, market movers should farmers and ranchers be watching? Yeah. So Thursday's the big day. Um, you know, we'll get a whole bunch of stuff that really impacts all commodities on Thursday. Uh, we start out with export sales that morning, then right around 11 o'clock central time, we get the crop production report. We get the WASD report. We get the annual grain summaries. We get the grain stocks for the first year. And then also we get those small grain seedings reports. So that's that winter wheat and canola seedings um, report on Thursday as well. So a big day. Big, yep. Sounds like it. <laughs> All right. So uh, looking elsewhere, uh, viewers, listeners, if you'd like to learn more about what we do, you can do so at brownfieldagnews.com. You can also check out our sister program, the weekly livestock market update, also on brownfieldagnews.com. Ben, it's always a pleasure. Thank you for your time this morning. I'm Will Robinson. 
on Brownfield. <laughs>